here we go. Welcome. I was going to say welcome IG family. I just posted a video on Instagram, so my brain was still thinking that. But welcome to the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. I am Eddie Cohn, of course. This is episode 209. And I have to say, you're in for a great, inspiring chat with my guest, Emily Goodson. She's great. She just wrote an article in the LA Times, or rather just published a couple months ago, and it's entitled, I'm a Disabled Woman, Is That a Dating Deal Breaker? And it's a great chat. We dive in and talk about the article. She Emily went through a, a this traumatic brain injury at the age of eight. So we touch on that and talk about that. But I think it, it goes much deeper than that. I mean, obviously, we talk about the article, but I think there's this emotional component to illnesses and, and brain injuries, or, or really any injury for that matter, that I don't know if we necessarily realize. You know, a lot of times when we think about health, we just think about the sort of the physical component of health, but there's so much more to it. So it's really been this sort of coming out party for Emily over the last few years as she has, quote unquote, been alphaing up in her life. And that's what the article is about. And that's what she's writing about in Medium also. She's a fantastic writer. So I definitely suggest you follow and find her on Medium as well. I, of course, will put all the notes in this podcast. So you can just click on um, the link to her article as well as to her uh, writings on Medium. But I think it's a great chat. And I'm always intrigued in speaking with people that think, you know, below the surface. I think life is very complicated. And we touch on the duality, the complexity of life, the yin and the yang, the alpha, the omega aspects of the human being. Uh, We also touch on something that I'm very curious about, and that's the impact the news media and obviously social media has on our, not only our culture, but the way we think. Just, you know, right now, this this show Winning Time on HBO just came out. It's about the Lakers, but I, I became really struck by the show right away by their portrayal of Jerry West. They really portray him as this sort of curmudgeon, bombastic, uh, pretty vitriolic man on the show. And so sure enough, I guess Jerry West has hired a lawyer and HBO support is is defending themselves and they're just saying that they're dramatizing it's just a it's just a drama. Although or they say it's based on real life events. And it's I guess it's it's interesting how media companies and even news media companies really take liberties with with truth just to get clicks or to get views or to maybe stir the pot a little bit. Um, So I I just think we should all really pay attention to how our moods are impacted or even our frame of mind is impacted by the news media. And Emily touches on that a lot. I mean, it really hasn't been until recently that, that television shows are portraying people with disabilities. Um, So I think it's a great, fantastic, eye-opening discussion about a lot of different aspects of life, relationships, being an introvert and an extrovert. So I think it's a great chat. So thanks so much, Emily, for speaking to me. Truly, truly privileged to speak to you. Uh, Again, you can find Emily on Medium. 
type in her name or just click on the notes version in this podcast or notes section of this podcast, you can find our article in the LA Times. Again, it's called I'm a Disabled Woman. Is that a dating deal breaker? Um, she's on Instagram at EC Goodson. If you dig the show, if you find the show enjoyable, remember it's always very helpful to share the show with your friends. There's about 99 billion podcasts. So I always am appreciative when you find my show. So please share the show with your friends. Maybe share it on social media. Maybe head over to iTunes and write a review. You can reach me on Instagram at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. You know, I have a bunch of new music I just released over the last like four or five months. I have a brand new book that just hit Amazon, SSAFY Yoga. Uh, so you can head over to Amazon or you can DM me on Instagram. That sounds weird. DM me. Send me a DM and I will give you the details on how you can get an autographed copy. As always, thanks so much to you for listening, supporting the show. Emily, thanks again for taking the time to speak to me. And we'll see you soon. Um, as always, thanks so much for listening, supporting, being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. I'm excited to do this. Thanks for making the time. Oh my gosh, of course. My pleasure. Yeah. Maybe this, or maybe you've done a bunch of podcasts, but I, I do feel like it's, when you when you finish an article or, you know, write a story or a book, uh, I mean, I don't fantasize too much about, like, my goals and dreams, but, you know, I think it's okay and healthy to be like, oh, Ellen DeGeneres is going to read my article or, or invite me onto her show or something. So I, I do think it's great to, to communicate in this, in this medium and, and get comfortable talking about, you know, your article. Yeah. And, and a lot that I want to touch on, but just first off, congrats. And, and I know it's been a few weeks, but how, how was it to see your words in the LA times? <laughs> there aren't words, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, there, there aren't words. It was one of those experiences that I feel like nothing can prepare you for. You know, I got up that morning and one of my best friends came over and we went and bought the paper. And I mean, I just remember looking at it and in, in, in disbelief almost. And then I went to, I had to go to the beach later that day just to kind of ground myself because I didn't even know how to react to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, you know, it was something I had never planned on doing. Um publishing and it was kind of a long shot to even send it to them so yeah, yeah it was one of those sort of once in a lifetime moments of I'm in, I'm in a paper that's being read by millions of people yeah <laughs> well it's crazy too because it's I mean you obviously knew that it was going to be published and yeah and you know I don't it, I guess ultimately it doesn't matter if it was a month or two months or a year or a week but you certainly knew and and it's it's strange like I know when a song is going to come out or I know that this is going to happen or this is going to happen. But when you actually see it or hold it or, you know, it's it's like this living, breathing entity, it, it's it's I guess a sense of relief. But shock, I, yeah, I just I think it's one of those sort of joyous moments that, yeah. as you say, is probably indescribable. But there's just a lot there. There's something to the, the tangibility, I guess, that I feel like you're hitting on of creation. Right. Mm. And 
like I've always been a creator. I've always been a builder. And I, um, you know, did that my career primarily through building HR departments and startups, right? Very much a creation situation. But there was something about having tangibly that piece of paper. And obviously, I still have it. Yeah, I kept a couple copies of the paper. Sure. Because it's like, yeah, I, there, there, there is something different. You're right, Eddie, about the like physical. I don't know. At least there was to me having that in front of you. Yeah, it's it's. I'm just suddenly thinking about something before we touch on some other areas, but I think that's the interesting thing about technology and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's weird. Like I still vividly remember those moments of holding, you know, a Beck record or a seat or seat, yeah, Beck seat change or Wildflowers or OK Computer. And and I understand, you know, the convenience of being able to have all these books on my Kindle, all these uh, shows at at my fingertips on Netflix or Hulu. Um, But I'm still very old school analog in the sense that I, I just subscribe to the New Yorker, but I, I need to hold the magazine. I, I can't. Yeah. So the, there is a deeper level of, of, of depth actually holding the newspaper. And, and I, I still resonate and, and really feel more. Yeah, I look, I'm right there with you. I agree. I um, it, It's interesting to watch the trends in society, right? Because all of a sudden vinyl, vinyl records are hot again, right? right. Like I, ha- I have a record player. I have one in my kitchen. Um, to me, it's, or at least with m- me personally, the more kind of options we have available to us in through technology, you know, whether that's, um, you know, we can talk about dating because that's what the article is about, whether it's sure. dating or books or videos or, music like i i feel like almost the more of this there is the more depth i crave and Mm. at least in relationships right and i think i find that depth too in like putting one there's something about putting a record on that like you can't skip you can't skip from track to track right it's the experience of like you listen to billy joel you know going from piano man to you know ballad of billy the kid which is when I was listening to last night, yeah. um, there's something about that that brings, at least to me, brings a depth that skipping through 10 songs on iTunes doesn't. Yeah. First of all, I really, I respond and connect with not only your article, but just reading your pieces on Medium. And I think the first, it's interesting, you, you touch on a lot of themes like it feels like there's this sort of yin yang to the way that you think and and i'm you know alpha omega yin yang and and i live that way also and i'm just going to read a sentence from one of your articles it's striking to me how chaos impacts us differently with age and i really resonate with that because i i had a lot of health issues and sort of um drama at a, at the young age of 12 I, I nobody knew what was wrong with me for months and yeah. and I think whether it's divorce or health or maybe um, traveling to a new you know going to a new school when you're young and I know that you dealt with a major um, trauma at the I believe it was like the age of eight or nine so I, I think yeah. it's it's really in, I just really 
connect with this idea of chaos hitting us at a, at a young age and how that really, I almost, I think it does shape the way we look at the world. It does. Yeah. It, do, it really does. I'm, yeah, I, there's so much there. Um, I, yeah, I have become a deep student of kind of this, this yin yang alpha omega form of thinking and relating and, yeah, it is. I, I want to write a book on it. Like I'm, I, I'm deep into it. And, you know, the, the people who I consider closest in my life right now, you know, are sort of exploring this with me of like, how does this relationship work? How does it work when we're changing our dynamics, the ways we're thinking? Um, and yeah, it's a good question of, you know, would I have come about this without that trauma at a young age. Um, I don't know, but I do think, I think there's a lot of interesting work that can be done around resilience and kind of these um, traumatic life moments for lack of a better word, you know, and it's, it's interesting. You may have, you may have heard me talk about this before, um, but somebody I was talking to, a professor at an elite university um, a couple of years ago about maybe doing a, a speaking engagement for them. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, he said, how do we teach resilience to children of privilege? Hmm. You've never had moments like this. And, you know, I said, well, I think, think it starts with storytelling because I think if you haven't had one of these moments for yourself, you know, it starts with that empathy building, right? Which can be done through telling stories like yours, like mine, through a podcast and exposure. Um, but it is interesting, you know, and, and Angela Duckworth is a professor who does a lot of research around grit, you know, kind of what gives people grit. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot there. And it's certainly, I mean, uh, my brain injury is certainly shaped my my thinking entirely and my drive and my will and yeah all of it do you remember like losing faith in the world or like Mm -hmm. or do you sort of because it's it's interesting reading your article you talk about alphaing up but 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 before that do you do you read i don't know if you were religious or uh, I don't know if if you were even aware at that age, because you know, looking back when I was twelve, um, it, it was sort of like a ten to twelve year process of me getting to the other side of 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 trusting the world, trusting my health, uh, trusting that everything. And I guess I still have trust issues that you know everything is going to be okay. I'm not particularly very religious. Uh, mm-hmm. I do I do have anxiety around this idea that you know my body will just like break down. Uh, despite mm. despite the fact that, you know, I exercise regularly and eat well, I, I still, I guess I hold on to this idea that we can do all of these things and to try and quote unquote, be in control and take care of our lives. But, you know, are we really in control? Again, sort of mm-hmm. this, you know, the, you know, the yin yang parallels of life, the duality of life. And uh, I mean, I, you know, looking back, do you you know, what did it take to sort of alpha up? Did you lose a little bit of faith? Were you religious? What what sort of perpetuated that switch? That's a great question. Um, you know, I was raised in a, a very religious family. I, you know, and so that was something I sort of, 
took on because of my family. I don't know that I really owned my spirituality at, until a couple of years ago. You know, I think it was when I look back at my childhood, it's the predominant theme is I went along with the prevailing story, right? Like I went along with the cultural norms that I was taught, you know, whether it was my school and my, you know, biological family or friends or all of that. And, um, you know, I think a couple of years ago when I moved to California and decided to start my own business, that's really where I went out on a different thread. And like, there were, there were hints of that, you know, in my twenties, but, but really, I mean, I broke all yeah. <laughs> sort of, um, you know, relationships with uh, kind of Emily 1.0 in 2019. But what's that? I mean, it's a good question. I, you know, I really think it was subconscious. I really do because it's not been until the past couple of years where I've started to do intense work on myself that I think I realized, you know, I alphaed up as a child, you know, like I call it. And I think, you know, kind of the article, one of the things the article, you know, kind of hints at and points to is, you know, it, it's it's easy to say, oh, I've never been in a serious romantic relationship. I've never had a boyfriend. What's wrong with people what's wrong with other people what's wrong with these men yeah. you know and it's funny because after the article was published i got emails of like oh these these men would be so lucky what's, what's wrong with them and it's like hold up that's not really the point here the point is not what's wrong with them the point is i wasn't aware of what was going on within me hmm. and i wasn't aware i had put these kind of barriers and boundaries up energetically um, and so I don't, I don't think it was something, I don't remember a moment where I like lost faith and was like, screw it. I gotta, I gotta protect me and I gotta hold on to me. But I think, you know, it was just sort of a, a culmination of like all of these things happened where I didn't feel safe and I didn't feel like anyone was protecting me. And so I had to do it my, I, you know, I was like, can I, can I cuss on this podcast? Yeah, of course. No. I, mean, I was just like, fuck it. You know, I gotta, I gotta take this on myself. Like I, yeah. I, you know, it's me, I gotta protect me number one. So, um, yeah, but that's an interesting, interesting thought of like, does one thing happen where you lose faith and all of a sudden you're just like done. I mean, that didn't happen to me, but I'm sure that happens to some people. I feel like for me, it was just like this, this building of a lack of safety. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, you know, you brought up an, another point that this sort of connects a little bit to what we're talking about now and, and you touch on in the, on the, in the article and I think about it a lot and I think I've been thinking about it more so over the last year how much we create stigmas or stereotypes or um, particular perspectives on life and then turn it inward through TV shows and, and, yeah. the, and the media and, yeah. and you touch yeah. on and you touch on that in the article about yeah. you know you see people with with illnesses, be it mental, physical, that quote-unquote seem to be in relationships or happy on television. Why isn't it happening to me? And I, I really, 
I don't want to be negative about the power of television, but I, I do think it, it, it shapes our perspective and our culture for good or for bad in a, in, in a pretty wow. dramatic way. Huge. I mean, it's huge. I, yeah, I, I, I think about this a lot because, yeah, I mean, I, you know, grew up in the 90s and it's like, you're watching rom-coms all day. You know, you've got mail, Sleepless in Seattle, mm. not to mention Disney, right? Like, right? It's this, you know, kind of um, idea that, like, you know, Prince Charming's coming and he looks like a certain thing and it happens in your 20s. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely watched all of that and bought into that. And I think, you know, one of the things I talk a lot about um, with, you know, my girlfriends is all, I think dating in today's society, relationships, partnerships, marriages, anything romantic. I think that is completely shifted. And I don't think television has necessarily caught up to it. I think it's starting to, but I think, um, you know, these kind of stories that, you know, people in their thirties, forties grew up watching, like, they're just not even relevant. They're, they're like a bygone world, yeah. um, you know, and, and for me, and, you know, certainly from a physical perspective, you know, and I hear people, you know, with different, of different races and ethnicities say this all the time too, is like, where were the people who looked like me on TV? You know, um, I, it's, it's actually quite funny. I, in the article and maybe on prior podcasts have said, like, where is, where is the TV show about a woman with a disability in her, you know, in her sex life? Like, where is that? And I, I, I literally just started watching Mindy Kaling's um, Sex Lives of College Girls. It's on HBO. Sure, I've heard of it. It's, it's excellent. And there's, um, there's a character in a wheelchair. And I, like, I, like, fist pumps this guy. I'm, like, where has this been? Like, you know, and it, she's not one of the, the main characters, but, you know, it's, like, you know, she wheels into a party, a, a nude party, you know, and it's like, this is phenomenal, yeah, right? Like, yeah. where was this, you know, 20 years ago when I was, you know, getting ready to go to college? Um, I don't know, it's just so refreshing to see that perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I even think about like couples that um, have affairs or get divorced on television shows or it's like, or even a movie. And there's sort of no repercussion. We don't see the repercussions. It all seems so casual. It seems so easy. And yeah. And I, I it's strange. Or even the violence. You know, it, it just it, people uh, get killed. We we don't see anything about the funerals. We just it's just it's everything is just so easy and quick. And it's like we don't see any repercussions or or issues around it all. It's just let's just focus on sort of the happy ending. And on so many levels, I've really been thinking about. Um, I think what you're hitting on is it's important to be aware of how it's seeping into your psyche, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't, you know, I don't watch much TV, maybe, maybe a couple hours a week. Um, Cause I just, I, I don't think my psyche can take it to be quite honest. You know, I think sometimes like I'll turn on like at the end of a, a long day, a lot of times I'll turn on something kind of mindless, like, um, like I was just watching Gilded Age on HBO, like, like, I mean, between us and the podcasting world, I didn't think the acting was that great, but it was like, this is kind of like, 
it's yeah. enjoyable when we watch this because I've had a long day, but it's, um, you know, I think I talk to people who, um, you know, they find themselves sitting in front of the TV for seven or eight hours on a weekend. And it's like, how, like, what are you letting seep into your mind? Yeah. Right. I mean, we, we definitely all need, I think, a little of that kind of downtime and we need to to chill out. But it's also like there is a balance there because it does affect people. Um, I mean, or at least it's affected me, I think, and how I've like it, it, it's built up expectations. I mean, I'll say that is like I think watching growing up with all of those rom-coms and such like it's like given me unhealthy expectations for hmm. for men, you know, or for my partner that really aren't fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, it feels um, like this sort of innocuous um, way to relax, whether it's, you know, TikTok videos, but I do, I just, it, yeah, it's just something that I've been really thinking a lot about. And I want to ask also, and this, this relates, I really think about like the masculinity of men, the femininity of mm-hmm. men and masculinity of men and women, and this idea of alphaing up. Um, yeah. So it's weird. It's well, it's not weird. It's it's your process, and it makes sense. But uh, you're alphaing up, getting the confidence yeah. to put yourself out there. Yeah. Um, but then it does feel like you're sort of turning on more of the feminine aspects to sort of let somebody in. Yeah. So again, this sort of yin yang back and forth. Yeah. You know, give give me some of the process of finally feeling like you're ready to you know put yourself out there how that yeah. feels. And I imagine these are dating sites or, or you know, what's, I don't know, just, you know, what, yeah. is, what is that process about emotionally? What, what do you feel comfortable talking about? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I want to give credit where credit's due and uh, mention my teachers who, who taught me these terms. Um, so my intimacy coach, Lon- London Angel Winners and her partner, um, Justin Patrick Pierce, you know, kind of have been my, you know, sort of anchors and in this journey. Right. And, um, I heard them on a podcast. It resonated this, the idea of alpha and omega resonated so deeply, right. This idea of masculine feminine and that we all have both in us in different, you know, kind of percentages. And then it's this question of, of what do you want? And, you know, one of the things that I learned about myself and working with London is I really wanted to date and be in a relationship with a man, a very masculine man, you know, who's very uh, directed, leads our relationship, very conscious, very present. Um, That's what I wanted. And, you know, there's nothing... there's no judgment associated with that because what people want is what, what they want. But, you know, what we talked about is like, I wasn't softening enough to let somebody like that in. Yeah. Um, You know, and so, and, and so then it's like, then it was this interesting kind of look back on in my twenties, you know, I lived in uh, on the East coast in Washington, DC. And yeah, I was on dating sites and, um, they never, never really went anywhere because I would go out on these dates and just not be impressed, didn't feel connected. Um, and then I would be attracted to these men who 
quite honestly, weren't, I don't think I had done enough work about what I wanted, right? Like I, I would be attracted to these men. And then looking back, it's like, thank God nothing worked out because they, they weren't the right, it would have just been a disastrous kind of relay. And, um, you know, it's funny because I think a lot about this because, you know, we hear people say relationships are the highest teacher and the highest form of yoga. And we learn so much from relationships. And I think that's true. And for me, it, it doesn't even matter that I, a lot of these relationships, quote unquote, have been one sided, meaning me having feelings for men who, who who haven't sort of reciprocated that to me. I've learned so much from that, even though they haven't reciprocated. So it's, right. you know, it's, um, it's the, for me, it was sort of this pattern of, of reflection and figuring out what I wanted um, that led me to start to soften and lean into my feminine more. And yeah, I mean, you know, the, 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 the sites in general kind of taking us on a, another tangent here. I just can't get into them. I mean, I've done, I've tried almost all of the dating sites, both in LA. Um, I lived in San Diego for a little bit and tried them down there. I tried them on the East Coast. And I just, they don't work for me. I know I know some people have had a lot of success with them, but for me, it's um, that sort of organic in-person connection is, that's really how I think I get attracted to somebody. I have a hard time kind of building that relay over yeah. Uh, an app. Yeah. I'm just thinking back about like in my 20s when like I, I got past the physicality issues that I was dealing with as a, as yeah. a kid. But there was a deep level of anxiety and stress. And I, I think I remember dating some of those um, those early dates where I was so anxious because I felt like I had to reveal like all the anxieties I had and all the physical sort of issues that I had been dealing with. So I guess when you're starting mm. out, you, you don't want to be serious at first. You just sort of want to like have fun and be casual. And, and, and I guess it requires some trust too to sort of... Go ahead. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's so interesting. It's res- what it's resonating for me is um, I wrote in my, I'm a big journaler. I journal yeah. multiple times a day. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things I journaled the other day is like, I wonder if I have always had a lack of patience for kind of superficiality. Hmm. And what struck a chord is, you know, you said like when you, when you start dating somebody, you know, it's, you want to be fun and you don't want to get too deep too, too quickly and all this. Right. And, and I didn't, like, I didn't want to talk about my disability to any of these men, which is, you know, one thing that we can get into. But the other thing is like, I wonder looking back, like if I've always been almost an old soul, quote unquote, because of the trauma that happened to me, like, Right. Like, I think I could find what I wrote down, but it's like, I've always been so deep that like, unless I can really feel that like very deep kind of spiritual, you know, energy in person or through someone's voice, like there's something there because there's something about, I think those of us who've, 
you know, yeah. <laughs> been around the planet a couple times or, you know, had these, um, these kind of, you know, trauma moments. I don't, there's, there's a kind of depth there that I think doesn't always resonate um, with people who don't have that same experience. Well, and this is something I touch on on my podcast a lot. And I think we live in a world now where we're, and I, look, one could say I'm generalizing here, but the vast majority of people just want to have a good time and, and yeah. be entertained. And, and, yeah. and Netflix wants people up at all hours of the day. Um, I, I feel like the world, I don't want this to sound too dystopian, but um, yeah. it, it feels like leaders, whether it's political or corporations, are able to get by or, or get things passed because they know the vast majority of people are so addicted to their phones and just being entertained mm. and distracted that the world sort of, like a lot of things can get by because a lot of people just don't give a fuck because they yeah. just, they just yeah. want to be entertained. <laughs> and so to yeah. Leaning that with you and I, 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 and I don't know if I'm a turnoff sometimes to people because I love to have a good time, but there is this sort of like seriousness about me where I, right. I, I do pontificate and think a lot about sort of and observe the way the world works. And I don't know, yeah. I think it's because of what happened to me as a kid. And I just, yeah. I think that I agree. And I, I think, you know, I'm thinking back to when we met for the first time and I, you know, I feel like. It was like a 10 second, like, oh, hi, how are you? Whatever. And then all of a sudden you and I were like super serious in this super serious conversation about, I don't know, whatever, mask and feminine, but like, it's, um, yeah, it is interesting. And it's, um, you know, it's funny. I've been thinking about the word addiction, um, a lot. And because through my, my yoga studio, we do a meditation to, um, get rid of addictions. And I remember when I, you know, when I was first introduced to this meditation, I I literally remember my ego saying to itself, oh, why do you need to do this? Like, you're not addicted to drugs. You're not addicted to alcohol. Like, you don't drink too much coffee. You don't watch too much TV. Like, you don't have, you know, you don't have too much sex, like whatever. And, um, you know, then I started doing it and I start realizing that like, wow, like, I'm addicted to like negative thought patterns, mm. right? And I'm addicted, you know, this actually goes back to what you were saying earlier about the, the anxiety of your body. Like I'm addicted to thinking the worst is going to happen. Like I'm addicted to thinking that every single guy is putting me in the friend zone. Like mm. I'm addicted to self-sabotaging when I see, um, a man maybe pursuing, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting. And I think, yeah, to your point, like you've got to be a really kind of aware conscious person to, to have these kind of thoughts or or realizations and not everyone wants to do that. And, Mm. you know, that's one thing I've, I've sort of come to come to an understanding with, with my friend group, because, you know, my friend group has really changed a lot over the past couple of years is, you know, um, some people just don't want to go on this journey, you know, some do, some don't and, you know, whatever, you know? Yeah. But, but this is the journey I'm on and like the people I'm going to invest in having in my life are like gonna be on this kind of up leveling with me. Yeah. Explain to me about 
alphaing up? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean to you? Like, what what do you have to? Let me just say one other thing that I'm thinking about. Don't don't forget that. I mean, I do sort of believe in this Darwinistic or Darwinist Darwinism idea that you know survival of the fittest, and it's weird. We live in this sort of. I again, I don't know who sort of. If it's a naivete on our parts, like I understand why parents want to protect kids as long as they can. The world is dangerous. The world is really hard and challenging. Um, but in a way, I feel like, is it good to learn from a young age that like life is really fucking hard and, and bad yeah. things happen? Um, because life obviously presents innumerable cha- challenges. Yeah. So like for you, I, I don't know if you want to backtrack that far or just more like more recently, but what does alphaing up look like for you or did it look like for you? Yeah. Looks like a lot of compartmentalizing. Looks like a lot of compartmentalizing. And I did that to self-preserve, right? Like I did that to... He said compartmentalizing and also like not going inward, right? Hmm. Sort of this, you know, I put up this protective shield around myself um, to not to not feel the emotion, quite honestly, like to not feel the like. I think the depths of pain was so great from my brain injury, and then you know not having the support I probably needed from a mental health perspective, you know, for growing up, like the the pain was so deep and I didn't know how to handle it. Right. I didn't have the tools I needed to kind of work through it. And so that to me, then it was like, okay, armor up, right. Like, (laughs) like we're not letting anyone affect me. Hmm. Um, you know, we're not going to let anyone take me down. Um, and, it, you know, so that it was that. And it also looked like this idea that I referenced earlier of you're not going to be defined by your disability. Like, you're just going to pretend it doesn't exist. You're going to pretend you um, can do what everyone else can do physically. You're going to not bring this up in conversation. It doesn't matter. Um you know, and so it, it looked like that. And, and I had this big moment um, two and a half years ago, two years ago, probably. I was working with a, a coach, a leadership coach. And, um, you know, I was upset and I was crying. And, um, you know, because I, I mean, I cry. I still, I cry a lot. And I, you know, I cried a lot growing up. And it was something that I think I felt a lot of shame for, Um and so, you know, a couple of years ago, I was working with a coach and I was very upset and I was crying and, 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 and she just had this moment of clarity where she said to me, she was like, I'm going on and on about work and about my, uh, you know, kind of biological family and um, the guy I was interested in at the time romantically. And she said, all I'm hearing is you don't feel seen. Like hmm. you don't feel seen by your family. You don't feel the CEO is seeing your value. And you don't feel seen by this man in the way you want him to see, like you want him to see you romantically and he doesn't see you that way. And, you know, that was just a huge, like, I mean, that was a big moment, you know, and it's, I got very angry at the time. And then, you know, it was, 
in the days and weeks after that processing it, it's like, yeah, I don't feel seen, but that's because I haven't allowed myself to be seen. Yeah, I was curious, like when, yeah. they, when they said that to you about not yeah. feeling seen, were they saying it like you need to f- do something to feel seen or or because it's it, it's interesting. Like, I do think we live in a culture now that is so obsessed and addicted to feeling seen. And yeah. I, I almost feel like that's why Instagram and TikTok and social media are so popular because it's this easy way to, yeah. to feel seen. So. Um, I don't know if I have a question there, but I'm just I'm curious about how they how they com- how did how did they communicate that to you, and was it a negative or positive? Or uh, I'm curious. Yeah, it's an interesting observation. She, um, I mean, it was a reflection back to me um, of kind of you know I think her point was like you see yourself as more valuable, or you see yourself as you could be um, engaged with these people in different ways and you're not necessarily communicating that or you're, you know, through your words or actions, you know, I think it's it's kind of what she was pointing out. And I think, you know, for me at the time, it was this idea of like, I, I, you know, I believe identity is multifaceted, right? Like, and I've never wanted to be defined as just someone with a disability. That's not all of my identity. But I think the the kind of opposite or, uh, you know, another way to look at that is because I was shutting down one aspect of my disability I was, or of my identity, I wasn't allowing all of me to be fully seen. Mm, yeah. Um, but I want to comment, I mean, what you were just saying, because I, I think about this a lot too. Um, and uh, back to sort of the idea of relating and relating, you know, superficially versus on a deeper level you know, we see this and I hear stories about this of, um, you know, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or whether it's sending somebody like unsolicited nude photos of yourself. Like, you know, you hear these things and it's like, at the end of the day, it's people just want to be seen. Like they're, they're just doing that to try and be seen or to try and build confidence. And it's, um, what I've learned is it, you know, it comes from within first. And I, I was talking to a friend about this and, um, you know, he, he was asking, you know, what, why, do, you know, how do you have the confidence or like, how have you gained that confidence? And um, where you feel like you don't need to be validated in that way. And, you know, it's really just for me, it's like it's it's I think it goes back to the brain injury. Right. And it's given me so much love for my body um, that I I mean, I just have so much respect for for my body and for all that it's done and all that it's doing that, you know, engaging in, in ways to be seen sort of in a superficial way just doesn't connect for me. And I don't know if that makes sense, but this is like a thread I've been thinking about lately. Yeah. No, I I think I understand and I think it does make sense. And I was even thinking, I almost feel like when something traumatic happens as a kid, I don't know if you're aware of, of per se death, but I do feel like 
something inside the body, I'm just thinking about this right now, something in the body I feel is firing up the senses. Like if you're close to dying or you feel danger in, in danger, you know, your hearing becomes more succinct. Uh, your vision becomes more myopic. It feels like everything almost focuses. And maybe that's why I still hold on to this idea of, of death could be close by or, or something bad could happen because maybe that's why my, my senses are always alive and, and sort of on point because I, I feel like, gosh, I, I had a point and it's, it's losing its focus, but I'm just, I was really resonating with what you were talking about. I sort of personalized it a little bit about how this, this idea of, let's see if I can make sense. I, like this idea of being seen does feel so superficial and simple compared to like all these other layers that are going on inside the body. Like the, the easy thing to do, because it feels like the eyes turn on first of all the senses, is to just, if I'm feeling insecure, if I'm feeling down, if I'm feeling depressed, bam, throw a photo somewhere because bam, right away it can be seen. Right. Well, yeah, I think what we're getting at now that I'm hearing you say it is we're prescribing the wrong solution to the problem. Yes, yes. Right? Like if the problem is I'm depressed and insecure, the answer is not to send my, you know, some random guy a naked picture of me. Or the answer is not to like pop up something on Instagram. Right. Because that's that's the, the short-term hit, right? Like that's a short-term hit of, oh my gosh, I get a like, or oh my gosh, he loved my photo or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that's, I, I yeah, it's, it's the long-term work that's really the answer. Um, and that's the hard stuff, right? That's like what a lot of people don't want to do. Because um, it's hard. I mean, it's really, you know, and back to your question about, you know, um, you know, where you said like, what what does dating look like right now? Or what has it looked like in the past couple of years? It's like, you know, I, there are times where like, I don't even, I'm not even on it. Like right now I'm not on an app, right? Because I'm kind of, realizing, you know, I'm at a place in, with my career and with my, you know, kind of professional life where I'm like, I can't introduce any more volatility mm. to this situation right now. Um, but that also takes some, you know, discipline and some like being okay with sort of longer term outcomes, right? I'm not going to get that short-term like gratification of, you know, if I take myself off of these apps, like I, you know, I'm playing a long game here, I guess is what I'm saying. It's yeah. not, you know, um, I'm not going to get that short-term hit of, oh, I went on three dates this week and this is so fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. One other sort of theme that I want to just bring up, I don't know how far we'll go down this, and then I want to ask, ask you about your, your job and your career and, and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and sort of the depths of that. But you also talk about, you wrote an article, um, and you're, you're touching on it now as you talk about you, you know, the story of dating, but just this idea of, of patience. And I, no. I really <laughs> think it's weird. It's, it's something I think about as a yoga teacher and um, 
this sort of goes back to something I said a while ago, just how our brains are impacted by what we watch on television, how that sort of frames our perspective on the world. But this rapid fire pace in which news is fed at us, uh, constant streaming, you know, I just finished an amazing show, Severance, and I, I remember like yeah. back in the day, we would all talk about the show for a week and we would anxiously be waiting for the next episode and collectively the culture would be talking about yeah. some, you know, married with children or who knows what. And yeah. so the, the, the way in which information is, is fed at us, I believe is also impacting people's ability to sit still. Uh, be, you know, patiently learn about Emily. Yeah. And, and so it's, I'm sure this is something that you are, are either are noticing or dealing with. Yeah, I'm, absolutely. Because it's, you know, it touches on what we were talking about earlier around self-regulation, right? Because, um, you know, information is being, we have more information, you know, in our phones. I'm picking up my phone as I say that. Yeah. Then... Like I can look up, um, I can do a Google search and get more information in five seconds than my great grandfather may have had access to in his lifetime. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's the pace of technology is so quick right now. And it's, it's all about this self-regulation because it's like, yeah, it is easy to get sucked into TV for eight hours because it's designed that way. Right. right? Like they want us to watch Netflix for eight hours. Um, and you know, you have to have that kind of self-regulation and discipline, like I was talking about, to turn it off or go to yoga or, you know, kind of self-reflect on your thought patterns. Um, I have such a complicated kind of relationship with patients because, you know, on the one hand, um, there are times where I need to be more patient in my relationships with others and give them the time they need to grow and, you know, become realized. There are other times, you know, I need to have more patience with myself in my career um, a lot of times and like know that things don't have to change every single day. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely one of those people who struggles with like having enough, you know, giving myself time to rest and have downtime. So like that's one side of it, but then on the other side, you know, when I talk about patience, I get frustrated. Like I've always been impatient um, because like we talked about, you know, I think I saw death at an early age and it's like, holy shit, I'm just lucky to be walking and talking. Like, yeah. you know, that that's a scary thing. Um, one of those articles is about medical advancements in particular. Mm. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm doing some, this actually gets into my professional career, but I'm doing some work right now. I'm um, advising a bunch of startups through an accelerator that Verizon is doing. Um, and it's great. All of these startups are producing things that are moving accessibility forward. So whether it's a technology, whether it's a physical, I'm, I'm helping a company with a physical product that's helping me, people like me walk better mm -hmm. by stimulating paralyzed muscles. Um, and I get impatient with the fact that none of this existed 20 years ago when I was a little girl. And I get impatient with why aren't investors hopping? You know, one of these founders said to me, actually, just on Friday, um, I was helping him with his product. And he said, it's so hard to get investors' attention on medical tech. Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, Eddie just lit me up. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, these are things that like actually will help the population. And, you know, Uber has certainly revolutionized, you know, transportation. And like, there are good reasons to take Ubers. But it's like, why are we throwing gobs of money at like Uber and we work more money than they need, you know? And then these little tech, you know, kind of, med tech companies or, you know, um, like one of these companies is doing helping people who are visually impaired navigate the, um, you know, public transportation better. Like, I mean, these are things that people really need. And I think I I do get impatient about, um, you know, society's progress or lack of progress to see that. Um, So it's patience is a, it's a loaded word, you know, it's, there's a lot there. Yeah, I was thinking two things, and then I want to ask about your company. Um, yeah, I think that's something that is why I I do so many things and I move at a pretty frenetic pace uh, creatively <laughs> with my life because I do think because something terrible because I was presented with this idea of dying at a young age, um, it it brought up this idea that that um, everything is is only temporary, and. I got to get in as much as I can. I got. Mm. I, I feel so lucky right now that I am in good health, and this could change quickly. Knock on wood, it won't. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to bite as much life as I can right now because um, ephemeral—that's the word I'm looking for. Life is life in this moment is is so ephemeral, and 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 it, it's interesting. Like I think I even thought it during COVID. I got a little frustrated because to your point about your impatience. We've had so many health issues and calamities going on for so long, and I get—I got frustrated that, and I guess there was a reason why, but so much attention was drawn towards this one thing, and then because of that, people weren't getting their cancer screenings, people weren't going yeah. to doctors, and I, I get, yeah, to your point, I get frustrated that, like, what does it take to get people's awareness towards other areas? It's strange. What matters. Yeah, towards what yeah. matters. It's, it's bizarre how that works. It's bizarre. Um, yeah. I mean, I have no explanation other than that, but it's, yeah, it is. It is when you step back and take a look at sort of the bigger picture, it's like, we, there's, there's so much going on in the world right now. And it, it's like back to the media. I feel like media oftentimes dictates what's valuable and mm-hmm. where our attention goes. Right. Yeah. Like they're prioritizing that. And it's like, is that right? Is that wrong? I don't know. Maybe that's not for me to make a judgment, but I think it's, you got to step back and kind of, that was one thing, you know, I think I really learned in COVID during the pandemic is like, I'm just not going to take everything I'm hearing, you know, at, huh. for, as, as fact, me right? Too. Like it's, it's like, I need to question kind of what I'm hearing, what I'm being told it was a big moment for me of kind of, you know, thinking about like, because, you know, you look at it with like, I mean, I look at it with startups. So you're asking about my company, you know, I, I started a company a couple of years ago to um, advise startups on workplace culture and how to build, you know, um, productive cultures where people are, you know, human focused and feel supported and can thrive. And, you know, you look at startups and you think about, where the attention Mm. what's talked about in the media with startups and it's like 
Uber, WeWork, Theranos, you know, it's like, it's funny because it's, you know, actually I did write a piece about this is like startups often are sort of glorified as the wild, wild west of like chaos and, you know, debauchery and, you know, all this bad stuff. And like, certainly that exists, but it's also like, why aren't we actually putting attention on like these little startups I'm working with that are changing the world? Um, or like, why aren't we talking about the fact that like, this is, I think the second accelerator that Verizon's done. Um, the first is about um, climate change and the second one's about uh, accessibility. And it's like, where's the press on that? Right. Um, so it's interesting to think about where our attention is led and then what we take, you know, we, sometimes we just don't question it. And I think that's where the date, that's where I've seen myself grow is like, I'm going to question where I'm being led and make sure it's true for me. Yeah. So, um, last little segment here. So talk, I mean, you touched on it. So maybe I'm, we're going to be repeating ourselves. So if we do that, then I apologize, but you know, you talked about the startup, but what's the goal of your company first off? And then yes, start with that. Yeah, no, great. Yeah. Great. Um, I feel like I'm constantly reinventing myself. It's something I probably pride myself on a little bit. So my, um, background was in, I initially wanted to be a teacher and then I did some career counseling and then I ended up falling into um, building HR departments, talent and people mm. departments for startups. And so I started my company, Culture Smart, um, a couple of years ago to advise startups on, you know, how to scale better Okay. and helping them kind of infuse, you know, one of the things I noticed is that these early, very early stage, small startups, like they don't have the time bandwidth, sometimes money to put good people practices into place, but they desperately need them. So that's, you know, why I started my company is to fill that void. Um, and I'm still very interested in that, but I am sort of doing this pivot in my career where I do want to focus more on my writing and speaking about disability, resilience, you know, all these things that I've learned. Um, and so I still think I will, I mean, I, I'll definitely continue to work with workplaces moving forward. I think there's an interesting parallels between personal and professional lives that we have yet to really tap into um, to its full extent. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. One of the, um, actually, one of the other things I'm doing right now is exploring like teaching um classes at the college level. And one gentleman I was talking to um, about this, he said something rather uh, astonishing to me, or it took, it took me back at least. He said, Emily, you have 30 years of experience in something. Hmm. And I, I was like, what? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like I'm in my mid thirties. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And he said, you have lived with a disability for 30 years. You are beyond an expert in what it means Hmm. to do that and in your body and in overcoming challenges. And he was like, "Ah." you know, it really took me back when he said that. And it was, it was kind of this moment for me of yes, culture smart is important. And yes, working with workplaces is important, but I do have, you know, I've been given this, 
incarnation and this gift of, you know, going through life differently. And I, I really do need to share that in my work, whether that's through writing, advising or speaking. So I'm sort of navigating right now what that looks like. Yeah. Which, you know, you've been really good. It's, it's leading me to my last, my next thoughts. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> so this is my last question area. Okay. So talk to me about writing. When did you, it, it's a two-part mm-hmm. question, and if, if you forget the second part, I'll remind you, but uh, <laughs> you probably won't. So um, when did you get this, when did you create this relationship with writing? When did it become something that you felt um, passionate or curious about, and then that leads me to what are you thinking about writing next? But let's first, back, oh, yeah. So let's backtrack. Love first. It. Okay, cool. I love part two. Um, I, um, you know, it's funny. I read a lot as a little girl. Like I remember writing a story in ninth grade about um, was my this, grandmother. Was this post which, post the like? Do you, Post, um, post the brain injury. Okay. Yeah, that's a great, I don't remember much from before the brain injury. Okay. And so I don't, I don't remember if I wrote before that, but yeah, post the brain injury, like my grandmother was very dear to me. And I remember writing a story about her family in ninth grade. And like, I remember she, she thought it, thought the world of it and, you know, told a lot of her friends about it. And so like, I remember writing in, you know, high school and middle school, and I remember being recognized for it by my, you know, family and friends. And then I was an English major in college. Hmm. Um, and then I, in my twenties, I don't really feel like I wrote that much. Um, and it, I mean, honestly, again, it was, I, you know, I feel like my past three years are, I, I am, I do want to write a book about my past three years because I think they really have been this kind of like, crucible of action. And, you know, I think, I don't know, at some point when I moved out here, I started writing again, probably because I was lonely. Um, you know, I moved to California, not only knowing one person. Um, and that was hard. And I think I probably turned to, to my journal. Um, and then, but that was always just for me. And then I think, you know, I had been writing publicly about workplace culture ever since I started my business, but then, um, I my I don't know if I mentioned this in in the LA Times, but um, I mentioned it in some other articles. My first public article about disability, about me and disability, was right after the guy I I was I wanted to date this guy in San Diego, and um, he you know broke my heart, and I had you know I kind of worked myself up to tell him like I don't just want to date you like I want to be like physically intimate with you which was a big deal for me like I never said that to anyone and I had worked myself up to do this and and you know before I could he told me he was dating somebody he started dating somebody uh and didn't want to you know wanted our relationship to change and so that's just like, I mean, it just ripped me open, right? Because um, you you work yourself up to be so vulnerable. And that's, it was literally a week after that, that I published, like in October, October 2020, I published like my first piece on Medium about, I think it's called um, The Need to Be Courageous or something like this, mm-hmm. um, about disability. And then from there, it's just been like this, like, tidal wave of like um it's usually when I get it's usually like an emotional high or low like usually that's what really gives me this kind of 
urge to write. That's where my inspiration comes from. It's usually from a, an emotional kind of groundswell. Sure. Um, it's cool. It's really cool. Um, and I'm very much one of those creative people where it's like, I, my phone has like 10 lists, 10 notes of like random musings. And, you know, I just write stuff down all the time when it comes to me now, because the inspiration is, is really flowing. Um, which is lovely. Yeah. Which is, you gotta, you gotta hold on to that for as long <laughs> as you can. You got to. Um, and then what's next? Um, like I said, I do, I have a couple of book ideas I'm working on. One is about the concept of value um, and how we define value and what I, how I think we need to redefine value. Hmm. Another is I do want to write like a memoir about the past three years. Um, similar to how, you know, Joan Didion wrote a book about the year after um, her husband passed. Wow, what a great book. I forget what it's called, but I just read it a couple years ago. Mag- I think Magic of September. Uh, no, that's what my book is called. Hers is, hers is Magical Thinking. Thinking, yes, yes. The Year of Magical Thinking. Yes, there we go. Yeah, because yes. my like rough title for mine is The Magic of September, because September for me is always this big. Yeah. There's something energetically about September for me. But um, yeah, so I'm working on that. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I think we'll, we'll just see what other things come about, you know, but I, I want to write about disability in different mediums and I want to get, you know, my story out there to people because I think it's really, if it was one thing that LA times showed me is I got so many responses to the LA times and it, it really affected people because I think they could see themselves um, in my story. And I think they felt represented in a way they hadn't before. So if I can continue to do that for people through books or, essays or you know other vehicles i want to do that yeah yeah you, you, last i just before i let you go i think yeah part of the reason why i started the podcast also a couple of years ago was just you bring up the word value and, and i do think <laughs> what we value has been shape-shifted in a dramatically um yeah. potentially dark way just uh just community people community is sort of being replaced by online communities and, and mm. just, you know, imagine having, the metaverse. yeah, imagine having this, this talk, uh, you know, via text or, or, you know, this, mm. this is like a 3d experience. Uh, yeah, I just, I think what we value has been dramatically, um, rearranged thanks to tech. It has thanks to tech. And again, this is, you know, what we were just talking about of, did we make this choice for ourselves or mm-hmm. were we led down this path? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so funny. I was just having this conversation the other night with someone of text and Slack and how it's like, we don't really like them. Like we would prefer to talk to each other in person or on the phone because it's like your meaning can be so misinterpreted through some of these forums. And did we consciously make that decision to switch all of our communication to tech to texting? I, yeah, maybe some. I think yeah. we're being I think we're being tricked by the, <laughs> by convenience by the word convenience. Like yeah. it, it all feels convenient and quick, but yeah. in the long run, I actually think it might be causing more harm than good. I 100 percent agree, and I, I mean, I you know, I will tell you that. 75 to 80 percent of the coaching work I do with clients is misunderstandings that have occurred over communications and nine times out of ten it's somebody said something on slack they didn't intend it to come off that way but because it was said in kind of this 2d you know forum 
somebody interprets it one way, it gets misconstrued, they get upset under, you know, which is, is you know, totally okay. But, you know, it's, it, it is interesting to think about the harm that some of these conveniences are causing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. This could be a whole other podcast. I know, I know. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, boy, I really, really enjoyed this a lot. It, it touched on a lot of, I think, important areas. Now, beyond just yeah. getting to know you and, and hearing more about the, the, the article and sort of a little bit yeah. more deeper look into it. But this was great. This is such a pleasure. I'm, thank you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, likewise. Um, well, great to see you. Thanks. And I'll, I'll send you, this will probably post next week, but I, I appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks yeah. so much. Have a great Take day. Care. Yep. Bye. Bye. Emily Goodson, everybody. Thanks so much, Emily, for taking the time to speak to me. That was truly a wonderful chat. And I get the sense you're going to be seeing a lot of Emily over the next couple of years, whether it's on Medium or in the LA Times or some books. So definitely keep an eye out for Emily Goodson. You can find her on Instagram at EC Goodson. Remember, her article just came out in the LA Times a couple months ago. It's called LA Affairs. I'm a disabled woman. Is that a dating deal breaker? Of course, you can find her writing on Medium. There's also some great articles about her. If you type in her name in Google, I think she's on Voyage LA and Shout Out LA as well. So yeah, she's just really, I really connected a lot with what she had to say. And... I just think it's a confusing time. It's it's just a strange time to navigate right now. And I really respond and respect and connect with people that have an interesting, unique story. And it's personal. It's traumatic. Yet they battle through it to the other side and figure out a way to navigate this this bizarre world that we live in with with grace and confidence slash vulnerability alpha-ing up as emily says i just i was very very impressed by her story and i thought it was important to share it with you all so emily again i really appreciate you taking the time you all know where to find me on instagram at eddie cone or the spiritual spiral podcast my new book ssafy yoga is available now on Amazon or visit the website ssafyoga.com. And please share this show with your friends. I've been getting a lot more listeners over the last couple months. That is incredible. Just keep spreading the word. Slowly but surely, more and more people are finding out about the show. So I really appreciate any shares. Maybe write a review on iTunes. And that is it. I'll probably be back in about a week or two. But for now, again, thanks, Emily, for taking the time. And thanks to you for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast.